Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. This is a show about opening up the often mysterious world of how doctors think. The goal? To empower the listener to gain access to the best health care possible. Welcome to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. That's me. I'm Dr. Paul Anderson coming to you from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates in Seattle, Washington. And today on our program, we're going to talk about uh, some more integrative medical therapies. We've been doing a whole series on uh, integrative medical therapies. And one of the reasons I wanted to do the series was one of the more common questions that we get asked at Anderson Medical Specialty Associates, the clinic where I uh, work and uh, operate, is uh, you, you say you do integrative medicine. What, what does that mean? And, how, you know, would that help me? And is, could it help anybody else? And, you know, I, I don't get it. So keeping uh, to the to the bigger topic, uh, we, we've done a whole number of things about, you know, IV therapy and nutritional therapies and herbal therapies, physical medicine, you know, all these different things. Uh, as I keep saying, the idea in integrative medicine, and I I use the, the term integrative medicine um, that uh, encompasses many, many practitioners because I believe, you know, integrated medicine to be truly integrative, there's a lot of different points of view and a lot of different, uh, specialties in medicine that all can, uh, benefit. So the more we include, the better. So integrative medical therapy is inclusive. So it means we, we take the best and the most appropriate treatment from any type of medicine practiced anywhere in the world. And if that treatment is the best thing for the patient at the time, then that's what we do. We don't judge treatments or therapies. We don't exclude them just out of hand. If the treatment that, that, you know, comes from the Ayurvedic background or Chinese medicine background or physical medicine or comes from herbal medicine or comes from drugs or surgery, whatever it is, that is the best thing for the patient at that moment is what we try to bring to the patient. Now, integrative medicine as practiced in our clinic, uh, we are naturopathic medical doctors, so we have a, a broad background in training. We, we can do prescription medicine. We do office procedures and surgeries and injections, but we also have training uh, and the ability to bring in herbal medicine, physical medicine, uh, nutritional medicine, diet and lifestyle medicine, you know, any number of other things. And many times we will bring in other practitioners who have specialty in an area. So last week we talked about uh, physical medicine, and so we might see a patient and we might say this person really would benefit from some 
uh, physical manipulation. And so we'll work with a chiropractic doctor or a naturopathic doctor who does uh, physical manipulation or a physical therapist or, you know, somebody like that. Or we may look and say, you know, this person could really benefit from acupuncture and so we'll work with an acupuncturist. And so you kind of get the idea. Integrated medicine truly is trying to integrate and what what integrative medicine is not or should not be is uh a just a lumping together of a bunch of therapies that may not help each other and uh, overlap in a bad way so that would be it's good to be inclusive but we have to have discernment to say right now it's not a good time to do this therapy because we need this other therapy so for example uh, just, just in this, because we're going to talk about injections today and other things like that, um, that are part of integrative, uh, medicine. Um, what, uh, what we are careful with, and, and I'll have patients sometimes get confused about this, they'll, uh, they'll come in and they'll have something, you know, big and acute going on, a big problem that, you know, we got to get on the, under control like right now. And they, they'll be surprised that I say the best thing for this week for you is actually a drug and, and we would like to prescribe a drug for this problem. The reason, you know, that throws some people off is they say, well, I thought you did integrated medicine. And I say, yes, I do. But the most appropriate thing for you today is a drug or is me sending you to a surgeon or <laughs> some other thing. So, uh, but next week or two weeks from now, we might be able to do something totally non-drug oriented. It's, it's all about appropriateness and, uh, timing. So it's inclusive, but it's also discerning as to the appropriateness and timing of the therapy. So with that preamble, we want to talk about injection therapies today. Now, um, about a month, a little bit more ago, um, I did a whole session on the radio, and we answered questions from people about IV therapies. So obviously intravenous therapies are an injection therapy. Um, and we talked, you know, about how, uh, IV therapies, they get a, you know, you get around the digestive system. You, you can introduce nutrients and other things into the body. You couldn't get through the digestive system and they can be helpful in that way. So injection therapies, what I want to talk about today are, um, generally non-IV therapies that are injected into you uh, and why an integrative medical practitioner or naturopathic doctor might want to do something like that. Now, something that you'll see is, um, you know, the first thing is it's it's very common if you've ever been, you know, to to the doctor at all at some point in your life you probably got a shot for something immunization or maybe a penicillin shot or you know who knows there's all sorts of things you get shots for tetanus shots um so most of us understand about you know a hypodermic needle and a syringe and getting something put into us in that manner um and you might think well what in the world in integrative uh medicine would people be injecting? Well, 
to some degree, this this kind of goes back to a month or so ago when we talked about IV therapies and how, in addition to drugs and immunizations and you know antibiotics and stuff, that uh, we also can infuse or inject things like nutrients, uh, vitamins or minerals, uh, and other things. And so that's what I'd like to talk about today. A little more specifically, uh, a, a bit away from the IV therapy might bring a little of that in, but more towards what kind of injection therapies that you might not see from your standard primary care doctor uh, would we see in the setting of integrative medicine. So the first thing, um, again, this goes back, we kind of mentioned this with, with every modality. Uh, the first thing to think about is safety and training. And so um, if, uh, for example, you're going to an integrative medical practitioner and or any medical practitioner, and they say they want to do a type of injection therapy with you, um, you know, you, you always you want to ask questions and say, does, do you do a lot of that? Is that, you know, does it usually help people with what I've got going on? Um, you know, just kind of get some background there. And usually what you'll find in, in almost all cases is if, if a, uh, you know, if you're, if your practitioner is saying, I think we should do a series of, you know, B vitamin injections, or I think we should do a series of trigger point injections or prolotherapy or whatever, uh, they probably either A, they do it themselves. And so they're directly, uh, responsible and trained and they're, and they're very aware of the benefits of, of that therapy or they refer people to a specialist who is going to do the injections, but they have seen the specialist help all of their patients. So, so that's the first thing you want to find out. Is this something you'll be doing yourself or do you refer out for it or whatever? And, and there's both there. Um, a good example uh, is in, in my practice, um, for, about the first, you know, 15 to 18 years, uh, I did a, a great number, you know, tens and tens of thousands of injection therapies because that was an area of specialty of mine. Um, so I did all of these things we're going to talk about today in the, literally in the thousands. But, uh, as my practice has matured and as I become more involved in, uh, in uh, research and cancer therapy and advanced, uh, immunologic therapies and things, um, I have to spend my time doing those things. And so now I uh, refer people for these injections to uh, other practitioners who are well-trained in them. So, so that'd be an example of, you know, 10 years ago, if I talked to you about doing, you know, a scar therapy or prolotherapy, it would then be me doing the treatment with you. And uh, here 10 years later, if I talk to you about that, uh, it, it will be somebody else, generally speaking, doing that therapy uh, because of just, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, so to speak. So a lot of it has to do with what your doctors, you know, heard of and used to. So it, it's sort of like, you know, the old adage, if you're a hammer, everything can look like a nail to you. And that's not always true. But um, if you're a doctor uh, and you've never known that there is such a thing as, say, trigger point injections or prolotherapy or scar therapy or some other thing, you may not even know to mention it to your patient who might very well benefit from it. Uh, so that's something that you have to consider, too. If your doctor you know, hasn't brought it up, it might just mean that they're 
they're not terribly aware of it. So there's a number of different types of injection therapies that are beyond what you would get, say, at the orthopedic surgeon or um, maybe in primary care for certain things. And so uh, I want to talk about those that are different. And so I'm going to skip over the more common things that most people get referred for, such as steroid injections, um, joint injections with other things like hyaluronic acid used in arthritis, uh, you know, immunizations, that kind of stuff. Those are, those are things that are kind of in the main. What I'd like to talk about are some of the other uh, injection treatments that uh, – you may or may not have heard of. And the first one we want to talk about, I promised last week I would segue, and it's really the bridge between physical medicine and injection medicine uh, in the area of trigger points and trigger point therapy. So trigger point therapy we discussed uh, a week ago in in the setting of uh, chronic muscular musculoskeletal pain it can be created by all all sorts of things. But when it's created by a trigger point, what you have is the part of the nervous system that keeps track of where your muscles and joints and soft tissue are, has a has some sort of a trauma, and it sends out a guarding response. And what we talked about, remember last week, was the guarding response, if it's a big one, is what makes you unable to move your back when you hurt your low back or something. You literally freeze up. But if it's not a big guarding response. It can be a tiny one in a localized area of the muscle, and it turns into what's called a trigger point. The term trigger point is descriptive uh, and accurate in that it triggers a pain pattern. And if you have a trained practitioner find the trigger point, then they can do therapies to release it and and take away the acquaintance of the trigger point with your nervous system. So until you tell the nervous system to stop focusing on the trigger point, the nervous system will continually focus on the trigger point and it will continually be a pain generator for you. Now the reason this is sort of a bridge topic in therapy is in physical medicine there are trigger point protocols that you use uh, manual therapies, hot and cold, electrotherapies, ultrasound, you know, all, all sorts of things in the physical medicine world. So that's uh, a part of trigger point therapy. But there are also uh, trigger point therapies that involve needles. Now, the first thing about injection therapies is it's, it's the rare uh, person, human, who believes that... Uh, they ought to get a lot of injections. Uh, most people don't like needles. Most of us have some memory of a bad experience when we were little getting a shot or something. And, you know, it's amazing how that stuff sticks with you over time. But what I found is if somebody's in enough pain um, and you're willing to work with uh, injection therapy, et cetera, you can um, get over those fears and, and it can be beneficial to you. So, how, how do we do that, and what's the procedure? Well, because we spent time uh, last week talking about manual therapies for trigger points and their mechanics, this is an extension uh, that was largely popularized, as I mentioned last week, by one of uh, John Kennedy's physicians, Janet Travell, 
And uh, she went on to, she not only treated him, but many other people for trigger points and other orthopedic problems, but she went on to write uh, foundational textbooks on trigger point therapy that are used to this day. And um, this th- this was the, the educational background I learned trigger point therapy from, and it's very, very uh, medical and well-developed and all that. So... Uh, what she saw was is that this idea of trigger points were well known and maybe we could take physical medicine a step further and inject something into the trigger point so that we speed up the process of the uh, nervous system losing track of the trigger point. And so that's essentially what it is. You use a tiny, tiny needle. You locate the trigger point manually with your with your fingers and your hands and you isolate it and you put the needle in and you often see a, a quick twitch when it hits a trigger point because the it's literally a little guarded area and you inject something into the area. It can be a little bit of anesthetic or saline or you can even use an acupuncture needle. What happens when you approach it with the needle is that you not only um, often are injecting something in there, like the anesthetic will numb it up, but you're also electrically changing the area. That's what the needle does. And so it starts the process of desensitizing the nervous system to that area of guarding or that trigger point. And you see, usually after a few injections into the trigger point, it, it will go away because the brain forgets about it. And then, as I said, there's usually some secondary ones you find, and you go about injecting them, and they go away much more quickly. But I've had many, and I've done, as I said, tens of thousands of these trigger point injections. I've had many patients where nothing else was working, including drugs uh, and physical medicine, everything else, and and a series of trigger point therapies really, really helped to uh, release the chronic pain and the chronic pain feedback that was going on. So trigger point therapies, and you can look it up on the internet. It's a, it's a fairly common thing. It's it's one of the integrative medicine things that's done by more practitioners than almost any other thing. So you'll see people uh, sometimes in hospitals that do trigger point therapy, and we used to do them sometimes in the emergency room, and uh, a lot of practitioners out in the world do trigger point therapy. So that's why I want to start with it. It's very common. It's the kind of thing that you'll see uh, done around and and it is very very effective if that is the problem that you have uh, being that there is a trigger point component to your chronic pain now as i said in the last show chronic pain has many components but if this is one of them it can be very good at getting the brain to stop focusing inappropriately on these areas of pain generation that live within your muscles So we're about to head into a break, and when we come back from the break, what I want to do is answer some questions uh, and talk about some of the other injection therapies that we have. This is Dr. Paul Anderson, Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. We'll be right back. Anderson Medical Specialty Associates is the clinic that Dr. Anderson founded to provide high-quality, integrative medical care to those with cancer and chronic illnesses. In over 20 years of work with this patient population and research into the best practices for treatment, this clinic provides the highest level of care. 
Their focuses include all types of cancer, autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus, as well as chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and chronic infections such as Lyme and Lyme-like illness. Their only goal is to help each person find the best path to health for their individual needs. Located in Seattle, Washington, visit the clinic website www.amsa1.com or call the clinic at 206-629-2186. And welcome back to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. That's me, Dr. Paul Anderson, coming to you from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates in Seattle, Washington, clinic where we focus on the care of patients with chronic illnesses, including chronic autoimmunity, chronic fatigue, chronic infections, and issues related to cancer and cancer therapy. Today our topic is in our series of integrative medical therapies and we're talking today about injection therapies. We've uh, done other topics such as intravenous therapies, herbal medicine, nutritional medicine, physical medicine, you know, all these different modalities that get brought into an integrative or naturopathic medical practice. And uh, today I want to talk about some of the specific uh, injection therapies and we spent the first uh, section talking about why we would do them and, and trigger point injections because I promised to segue from physical medicine trigger point therapy to injection trigger point therapy. And they're, they're not mutually exclusive. They're both uh, useful and they both can be used together. And there's a number of other ones. And, and as I mentioned, I'm going to stay away from the things people know about more like steroid injections and and immunizations and stuff and talk today about some of the ones that people know less about. So a similar thing, uh, injection procedure to a trigger point therapy, although for a different type of trauma, is another injection uh, therapy procedure called scar therapy. And uh, you know, people will hear that and think, uh, what does that, does that mean? You give someone a scar or what, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so uh, I will illustrate this by a question that was, uh, or kind of a question comment that was uh, set in uh, by a patient, uh, and they sent in this by email and said, would you please talk about this on the radio if you have a show about injections? I had uh, suffered for a number of years from chronic uh, nerve pain and some other pain syndromes that uh, we couldn't ever figure out the basis of and it turned out that it was because of a surgical scar that I had had a few years prior to all of these symptoms starting. If you can I would like you to relate how the process of scar therapy that you provided in my case uh, was a piece of resolving a lot of these chronic pain patterns over time because I don't think very many people know that scar therapy exists and how much it can help. So this is uh, this is a patient that we saw a number of years ago, and uh, it's you, you could repeat the same story over and over, really, about scar therapy. So I, I agree. I think their their story is a good one, and essentially to kind of shorten up the uh, the backstory here, um, 
What you see with uh, scar therapy is scars of any type have a range of restriction that they create. So if you think about what makes a scar, it's it's you get cut or torn open somehow, trauma, surgery, whatever. And it doesn't matter how you get cut open, your body has to put it back together. The way that your body puts things back together includes uh, the formation of uh, scar tissue that knits it back together, so to speak. But what people sometimes forget is, is that there are multiple layers to the outside of a human that go from the outside in. So there's not just the skin you see, there's there's the epidermal layer and the dermal layer, and then there's a subcutaneous layer, and then there's some fascia, and then there's some more stuff and some fascia. So there, so depending on how deep the, the cut was, you, you may have all of these layers stuck together. One of the problems that will occur is, let's say you have a abdominal surgery, a C-section is a really common one, um, or really any other uh, abdominal surgery that people have, and um, they won't realize, well, we cut all the way into the abdomen, meaning we went through, you know, the the skin layers and the fascial layers and the subcutaneous and the muscle and the more fascia, etc. So we did all that. Well, the trouble is that you will often have the all those layers heal in one unit as a scar. And so you can imagine if the original um, layout of the area was that the skin moved independently of the subcutaneous tissue and the subcutaneous moved independently of the fascia and that moved independently of the muscle and now they're all kind of stuck together. Imagine that over time, they're all kind of tugging at each other, so that sort of aggravates the scar and makes it, it makes it tougher. The other problem is, is that the blood flow and the nerves that used to run through those areas, because you have a lot of nerves that operate your superficial uh, sense of pain and, and a touch and all that, that run through the subcutaneous up to the skin and all that, they all get disrupted too. And in some cases, even other things beyond the vasculature, such as uh, we talked about the lymphatics last week, the, the sort of the area that the immune system drains into and keeps track of stuff, those can get disrupted too. So it's it's not a big stretch of the imagination to think that a scar has the potential to create downstream either pain or other dysfunction that uh, that can be chronic. And the problem is we don't often uh, associate the scar with these pain patterns and things because, you know, we get surgery or we have an injury, we get sewn back up, we're just happy to be put back together, right? But when we start to have, you know, pain, it'll usually develop between one and three years after the scar has set up. And so the pain and the pain pattern and all this dysfunction is not at the same time as the scar was created, so we don't think of the two going together. So how do we know that this stuff happens? Well, this this person's um, email uh, asking me to talk about this case is a good example. And one of the things in, in medicine is that if you have... Um, if you have a theory about why a symptom is, you know, is happening, 
with a particular patient because we know that everybody, you can have the same symptom in five people and five different reasons for the symptom. So if you do a treatment that is very specific for a particular type of uh, cause of that symptom and it doesn't work, you can kind of rule out that uh, the um, that the cause was whatever your treatment was trying to treat, and you go on to the next thing. So it's kind of the same with scars and scar therapy. Um, you never can guarantee anything in medicine, but what we tell people is if you... Uh, you you have you have a scar in the neighborhood of the pain pattern etc the scar uh, by physical examination appears to be adhesed very well so uh, the only way to know if scar therapy is going to improve that is to do uh, a few sessions of injecting the scar and we'll start to see changes in your pain pattern or changes in the other dysfunction so and in in the case of this person who wrote in and many many other people just like this person um the proof of the treatment is in do the symptoms get better does the pain go away etc so in in this person's case that indeed is what happened so what's the procedure like well it's again usually a small fine needle that instead of being injected into muscle like we talked about with the uh trigger point therapy is injected along uh parallel to the scar so the needle is inserted under the outer layer of the scar and threaded through the scar and then you inject a mixture usually of an anesthetic and a saline uh saline's a salt water that's like the plasma in your blood and you withdraw the needle slowly as you inject and what this does is physically move the layers that are stuck together apart and <clears throat> there are um, sometimes subtle, but sometimes extremely profound things that happen as you start to move the layers apart. Now, like anything, just like we talked about with physical medicine, um, you can't do all, you can't, you know, do all this in one injection, uh, for the most part. You can't, you know, undo a scar all in one shot, uh, cause, you know, you take an abdominal scar, it's gonna take a number of treatments to kind of loosen up all those layers. But, here's the bottom line. Once you start to loosen them up, then the body starts to heal in a way that keeps the outer and the middle layer separate. And then you get the middle and the deeper layers separated. And what will start to happen, as in this particular case with this person, is they were having, they had an abdominal scar, but they were having what they perceived as bladder pain and then certain other pains down into the, uh, to the leg area. It's all downstream from where the scar was, but I mean, the, they didn't cut into their bladder or their leg. They cut into their abdomen. Um, and so what they noticed that started to release as the scar therapy went on was the bladder pain re, uh, reduced in its intensity over time. The, the pain that went down in their legs reduced in its intensity. And again, the proof of the therapy working is, is that they, they went from rather high levels of pain and dysfunction in areas downstream from where their scar was to much more manageable and much less frequent uh, areas of pain. So 
it, it's just one of many examples. That's a that's a very you know good and positive example. But we I've seen hundreds of those over time, and it's a fairly uh, simple medical procedure. You prep the area like you would for surgery. You do the injection under aseptic technique. It's all sterile. Um, so that part's, you know, kind of standard, uh, but what you're really doing with the injection is mechanically separating these areas of scar, and that's really important. So when we're thinking about uh, things like scar therapy, there's another indication, and this is something that is uh, is even faster to see improve, and that is if you either have a traumatic scar, let's say you cut yourself uh, bad with, you know, butcher knife or you know, you, you fall down outside and hit some glass or something, or you get a surgical scar, you, you had your knee operated on or, uh, or your hand or your elbow or something. Um, treating scars that are over the top of joints can be uh, really, really helpful and sometimes life-changing for the person because they'll develop restriction over the joint because of the scar. So, uh, an example of this is uh, another uh, email that was sent in, and, and they said, uh, yeah, I hear you're going to be talking about injection therapies. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I had uh, that uh, that injury in my hand, and uh, you talked me into doing scar therapy over or the knuckles that were uh, cut open, and uh, it it allowed my hand to work better than it ever had, et cetera. Uh, would you please talk about that? So this is one I'd actually forgotten about uh, this case, but I've seen others like it. And this could be said of, you know, knee uh, knee scars and, you know, any other joint area. Remember, like we were talking about with scars, that if you have a uh, area where you cut into the skin through all the layers and it grows back together, it grows together kind of in a unit. So what used to be a number of layers that move independently now move as one giant unit. Well, you can imagine if uh, that is over your knuckle on your hand, bad enough over your knee, but, I mean, your knuckles on your fingers are tiny. Uh, and there's The skin is really tight there if you look. You know, it's, I mean, it's got a little give, but not a whole lot. So this, this particular guy um, had a some kind of injury. I think it was knife injury. Uh, and it sliced right across the top of two of his uh, knuckles all the way to the bone. And so he went to the emergency room. They sewed him back together. It's all, you know, that part's all good. Um, but within the first year of healing, uh, he was having trouble uh, completely closing his his fingers when he would make like a fist or grab something because the scars were actually pulling on the joint and the joint capsule, which is a big problem. And so um, what we did is we looked at it, and I looked, and I said, you know, uh, I said the it, maybe if you would have got a lot of intense physical therapy right after, you know, your surgical scar healed, say six weeks after surgery, um, they might have been able to free that up, and now it's all scarred together. So, and he wasn't a big fan of needles, and I said, look, it's it's, it's just a little scar, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be intense, but not bad. So that's where he's talking about. I talked him into the uh, injections, but I knew we could help him. So in those cases, use an extra tiny, tiny needle. And the same procedure, you've got a little anesthetic, a little bit of saline, only a tiny, tiny amount. And you literally, around a knuckle, you can hear the layers pop uh, apart. 
and so we did this with him and we did it with him uh, over uh, a small number of treatments enough to get all the layers working and he went uh, from having painful restriction and trying to close those fingers uh, when he was gripping something or making a fist to full range of motion with no pain because the layers were moving independently of one another. And that's a really important uh, thing with scar therapy around joints. Uh, it can be incredibly helpful to return range of motion. The other thing is sometimes you won't think it's the scar, but you'll think, well, you know, I had, an, I had my ankle operated on or my knee operated on or my elbow or something. Um, and, of course, you know, it was operated on, so it's going to hurt afterwards, uh, you know, maybe forever. Well, what you're thinking about there should be what we need to do is if, you know, if you had surgery, there's going to be a scar. Uh, doing a, a few scar therapy sessions would be worthwhile to see how much of the residual pain in the area you were operating on is because of the reason you got the surgery and how much is due to the scar. And a lot of times significant amounts of the post-surgical pain um, that is lingering and ongoing can be due to the scar itself. So scar therapy is one of those things that uh, uh, it's it's very mechanical. It's very much related to physical medicine, uh, but it can be incredibly helpful and profound in the improvement of patients' uh, quality of life, mobility, uh, joint motion, but also some of the chronic pain patterns that get set up secondary to the scarring and the uh, inappropriate. Uh, sticking together of tissue layers. So we're about to head into a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some other types of injections. We won't really be able to talk about every kind of injection today, but when we come back, I want to talk about regenerative injections. And uh, this is a really exciting category, something I've done a lot in my practice over the years, and and uh, something that has the ability to rebuild uh, tissue and help with physical injuries uh, in not just helping scars or not just helping trigger points, but actually helping injured uh, ligaments, joint, and tendon to regenerate after a trauma. So we'll be right back with that after these words. Anderson Medical Specialty Associates is the clinic that Dr. Anderson founded to provide high-quality, integrative medical care to those with cancer and chronic illnesses. In over 20 years of work with this patient population and research into the best practices for treatment, this clinic provides the highest level of care. Their focuses include all types of cancer, autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus, as well as chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and chronic infections such as Lyme and Lyme-like illness. Their only goal is to help each person find the best path to health for their individual needs. Located in Seattle, Washington, visit the clinic website, the number one. Dot com or call the clinic at 
Welcome back to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. That's me. I'm Dr. Paul Anderson, coming to you today from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates in Seattle, Washington, a clinic devoted to the care and treatment of patients with chronic illness, including things such as chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic infections, autoimmune disorders, and complications from cancer and cancer therapies. And today our topic is in our Integrative Medicine Therapies series uh, on injection therapies. We've had many different topics, and today we've been talking about things such as trigger point injections, scar therapy, uh, things that are not often talked about in in the standard uh, world of injection therapy and medicine. So we want to bring up kind of the unusual ones. And the one I'd like to, we'll probably wind up spending the, the whole rest of the time talking about because it's... Um, very, very helpful and very, very useful and exciting for people is the uh, regenerative injection therapies. And you think about it and you think, you know, it sounds a little Star Wars-ish, uh, you know, regenerating tissue and all that. How in the world do you do that? Well, there's a whole spectrum of regenerative therapies and they all kind of have roots in... Uh, uh, in therapies that uh, started to be done many decades ago uh, that were under the umbrella of what was called prolotherapy. And the idea of prolotherapy originally was, uh, it's like a lot of things in medicine. We thought we were doing one thing and the patients would get better, but we really were doing something else and they still got better. So over time, we've developed our ideas about prolotherapy and how it works and all that. But now it's uh, we, we've sort of more appropriately morphed that into a term called regenerative uh, injection therapies. And I want to give a, a, a kind of a spectrum of, of what they are and then talk about some uh, uh, cases that, that we've uh, had with them in the past. So regenerative therapies are the modern extension of the original prolotherapies. And so prolo originally got its name uh, from proliferant. And uh, proliferant injections or proliferation injections were actually uh, a, a theoretical idea uh, to take and inject in an area of injury of a tendon or a ligament or a joint and to have uh, the body proliferate normal cells where they were where they were not normal before. And so you think, well, that's wow, how do you tell the body to do that? Well, there were many things tried over the years with prolotherapy, proliferant therapy, and uh, all of them have uh, benefit and merit. Some are still used and some are, are not really used anymore. But <clears throat> the idea was to inject something that was not toxic, but that would tell the immune system to essentially come back, visit this area, and remember that you have a job you haven't finished. So who would we think of with respect to prolo-type therapies or regenerative injection therapies to be more modern? Well, the best use of regenerative therapies, and, and I'm limiting it to kind of the orthopedic, the, the joint, ligament, tendon, mus musculotendinous junctions, you know, those sort of physical things that we talked a lot about last week area. But the, really the best use is in the, in the setting of 
somebody who has had either surgery or an injury in and around a joint or ligament complex and the injury to the soft tissue, the joint, the tendons, the ligaments never fully healed appropriately or when it did heal there was less cartilage or there was less uh, robust attachment of the ligaments that hold everything together, the tendons, etc. So that's where proliferation is really good. And and it, it truly is the idea that you get the body to go back and do the work that it was supposed to do um, originally. So what should your body have done originally? Well, um, one thing is it really should have healed the broken area or the disrupted tendon or the ligament and muscle or whatever completely. Now, your body has many reasons. It's not, not all your body's fault, you know, that it gets confused. But your body has a lot of reasons for why it might forget about or stop healing, you know, partway through. And uh, so one of those reasons that the body has is it's got a lot of other stuff going on. And so uh, in, in working with uh, somebody who has an old injury or something like that, you know, we, we kind of jokingly blame your body for an inappropriate response. But really what happens is you, you know, you sprain your ankle or you twist your knee or you disrupt a joint capsule or, you know, you break an ACL and have to have it, uh, you know, put back together by the orthopedic surgeon. The body gets to healing. It puts everything back together as best as it can. And then it realizes it has 10 million other demands going on for the immune system and everything else. And so you get you get a partial healing maybe that doesn't go all the way. Now, does this happen with everybody? No, it doesn't happen with everybody, but it's very common after injuries and surgeries, etc. It's sort of one of those things that is part of the human, uh, the human body and the way the human body works. And so the thing that you do with a regenerative therapy then is by use of injection into the area of the old trauma, you introduce something or some things that uh, remind the immune system there's an unfinished job here. Now, a long time ago, uh, back in the very beginnings, uh, the proliferation therapies that we now call regenerative therapies grew out of an older injection therapy movement called sclerosing therapies. And to sclerose basically means to make a scar, right? So the really old version of this, before we really understood exactly what we were doing, is, well, the, the, the joint's too loose. We sprain the capsule. We can't get it to heal up. Let's at least go and inject the capsule and uh, give it some uh, sclerosing material so that uh, the body tightens it up. And that, that actually did work. Now, what, um, as science evolved and injecting evolved and all that, what we saw was is that maybe we don't need to scar the thing up. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit of the wrong, you know, the wrong direction to go with this therapy. What if we could do something that was similar, but that actually told the tissues that it's okay to continue healing until you're all healed up? 
And so then you move from sclerosing to proliferation, meaning get the, get the body to, to do the job without scarring. And the very first uh, studies that we, so this was being done on humans and, and we would see clinical benefit and all that. But, you know, in science, you have to prove things. And uh, what they did is they did some rabbit studies a uh, long, long time ago where uh, they would take uh, rabbits that had, you know, documented ligament injury and they would do proliferin injections um, on one side and not on the other side. The two, you know, both of the hind legs had a ligament injured they inject one side and not the other. So it's a, it's a good experimental model, uh, unless you happen to be the rabbit. But what happened was that when they looked at the tendons or ligaments that they were injecting over time, is the side that was getting injected would actually get bigger and look more normal. And this was being done with some of the original proliferant solutions that uh, are, are still in use to this day. They're, they're considered nowadays uh, the, the low-tech uh, regenerative injections. Uh, and as I said, I've been doing these things for decades, so um, it, it, I come from the low-tech days, and I've sort of tried to evolve with, uh, with the technology. But what I can say is even from the low-tech days when we had uh, the early, you know, proliferation solutions and things that are very, they're non-toxic. They just, they just, you know, get the immune system involved and come into the area and, and healing up. We saw amazing benefits with patients uh, that, that you would just not see from any other treatment. And uh, so we would have patients that, you know, for example, um, you know, couldn't uh, get around uh, without a brace on a, you know, on a, uh, on a joint or a ligament area or who are just having chronic problems from, uh, hypermobility. The joints were moving too far because they never healed back up the way they should or, you know, knees that were just so painful a person couldn't even hardly walk in. And we would get people into lower amounts of pain. We'd sometimes get them to actually increase the, uh, the, uh, the cartilage uh, inside of a joint like the knee, we'd get uh, the joint capsule and the ligaments from uh, being too loose to tightened up normal like they should be. Very, very, very uh, profound in, in the orthopedic world. Now, the uses of, of regenerative therapy are, are in these areas that we've been speaking about. And that would be injured uh, joints, injured connecting ligaments, uh, and then injured tendinous areas. And the tendons are what connect the uh, muscle to the bone. So that's a musculotendinous area. All of those tend to get injured either surgically, we can just cut them open and injure them, you know, as part of our surgery, or they often are injured when we slip and fall or we twist or we do something like that. So these are the times that these proliferation uh, type of injections or regenerative type of injections are just extremely useful. And there's really no other kind of medical intervention that does these things. Now, one of the things with these proliferation injections uh, or the regenerative injections is uh, that sometimes an insurance company will find uh, and tell you they're not going to pay for it because it's investigational. And 
and here's the thing it's you know it's a part of the bigger you know pain management orthopedic medicine practice etc but they're they're not um they're not as out front and you know as attractive as new surgeries and joint replacements and things like that there's not a lot of uh commercial money to be made from you know a company selling anything to do these things uh so there's there there's not as much research uh done in particular around them there's more and more all the time but but insurance companies you know regardless of whether a treatment works or not the insurance company decides it's it's investigational or experimental uh that's all they have to say and then they don't have to pay for it that being said, uh, there are some of the newer ones that involve things like stem cells and other, you know, more kind of high-speed things that insurance companies are considering. Uh, and uh, so stay tuned there. But right now, a lot of the regenerative injections you have to pay out of pocket for because the insurance company says they're experimental, even though they work as good or better than any other therapy. But in in the minutes we have remaining, I want to talk about um, the kind of where these injections have gone um, and where they're going. And this is very exciting, I think. So if you go back to a few decades ago when I started to learn about these, when we were kind of on the cusp of moving from the uh, sclerosing injections of saying, let's make a scar, <laughs> um, and tighten things up, which, as I say, did work, but maybe not the best strategy. Uh, then we went to the proliferation idea, and we were using non-scarring injection materials and, you know, more body-friendly things. And back then we started to get these, you know, amazing results with people with chronically dysfunctional joints and ligaments and pain patterns and getting people healed up from, you know, old injuries and new injuries and things. That was the beginning of the idea that what we're really doing is involving the immune system in the healing process of something it should have done in the first place. So that was the beginning of the idea of, okay, proliferation is, is a good word, but really what are we doing medically? We're regenerating tissue, and that's that's like the holy grail of injury care is to regenerate normal tissue. So then more research was done, more study is done, and so now there's a spectrum of regenerative injections that go all the way from the original, like I said, low-tech proliferation injections like we used to do. It was the only thing we had now into the world of uh, stem cells and the use of stem cells and stem cell therapy in combination with uh, proliferation and regeneration solutions. And so what we see is uh, with the use of modern stem cell uh, technology, you can take your own uh, stem cells, you go and it's a surgical procedure. It's, it's, not, it's not like in the hospital. Uh, this is an outpatient, you know, sterile surgical procedure. And uh, they can harvest the stem cells, propagate them, and they can inject them into areas of your body. So the upside here is it's not somebody else's stem cells. They're yours. You're just focusing them in an area that needs a lot of uh, care and support. And if you remember, uh, the stem cells are around... Uh, to turn into anything they need to turn into. So the idea is we do some proliferation in the area, 
we seed the area with some stem cells and then the stem cells speed up the regeneration of the normal tissue because they can literally turn into cartilage, tendon, ligament, muscle, whatever is needed in the area. So that's a really exciting uh, new use of uh, of the regenerative therapy spectrum. This is something that's uh, that's a huge, huge benefit to people with chronic pain and chronic injuries in the joints. And uh, it's this is where the state of the art and technology is going in in repairing. Uh, before you replace a joint, you try and repair it. There's actually uh, a paper that I helped author with a former student um, that was uh, published in the American Academy of Pain Management. They have a publication called The Pain Practitioner. And uh, we we published a two-part series, and I helped with the first part, uh, which was uh, the use of intravenous nutrient therapies as part of my specialty area in the support of the stem cell uh, transplant and stem cell uh, regenerative injection therapy, and so uh, our and, and we've done this in practice, and we wanted to get it published so that it was out there for the broader medical community to read. Um, probably, if you look it up, it's the Pain Practitioner is the name of the publication, Fall 2015. And if you look up my name and stem cell, Paul Anderson and stem cell, uh, Harry Adelson also was there, and other author, um, you can. You can get a look at that paper, but basically uh, we were looking at what kind of things would be helpful to regenerative injections, and it turns out it's the rest of integrative medicine. Yes, IV therapies can be helpful, but also correcting nutritional imbalances, blood sugar, every other thing that we're looking at. Well, it's been an exciting day talking about injection therapies in integrative medicine. We're coming to the close of our time for the hour today. I'm Dr. Paul Anderson. This is Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. I'm coming to you from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates in Seattle, Washington. And I'll see you all in one week's time on the radio again. And we'll continue on with our series talking about ways that integrative medicine and naturopathic medicine can be helpful to your health care. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Medicine and Health with your host, Dr. Paul Anderson. Visit the clinic website at www.amsa1.com or call the clinic at 206-629-2186.